Welcome to Potadelphia. I am your host, Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the uh, podcast at Potadelphia. You may notice that I am not Dave DiOrio. I think he's on the Pennsylvania Turnpike coming back from a game uh, in the Meadowlands. So, uh, Dave, speedy travels, and we'll see you next week. I am joined, as always, by someone who has yet to miss a podcast. Gene, how goes it tonight? And I'm Gene Zilak, and you can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And that's true. I have not missed a show. Yeah, perfect attendance. Perfect attendance. You're always a very good student, Gene. Well, thanks. <laughs> so uh even though we're a man down we'll keep up with the the normal layout of the show and we'll start by talking about the eagles who managed to win um it was uh i don't know i would say it's a tale of two halves but the eagles comeback really started at the end of the first half well i think it was definitely a tale of two halves but uh, again, the Eagles feel like they didn't show up uh, to start the, the beginning of the game today. I really thought this was going to end up being a blowout. I, I, it looked like it was going to be a disaster on wheels. Um, Saquon Barkley looked like he was going to go for 300 yards today. I don't know. Uh, every time I listen to pundits talk about how that guy was maybe not worth the draft pick that he uh, that he was taken at, I, I watch him dominate. I haven't seen a team really figure out how to stop him yet. The only people that seem to have any ability to stop Saquon Barkley are the coaching staff of the New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I had that same feeling. When that, that game started, and you know, I don't know if we went three and out, but it certainly felt like we had a couple of three and outs back-to-back. And I, I was just like, oh, crap, this season is over over we are going to get trounced by the giants and then it's just going to be a tire fire from here on out somewhere around the end of the first quarter one of the announcers gave the stat that the giants were on pace to have more yards than new orleans had against us last week so <laughs> when i heard that stat that's when i really started to like get that sinking feeling in my in my gut that oh this is this is going to be bad but uh it seems like they must have figured out something they really did kind of put it together i don't know if it was something in the air or something at being at home that they just they just couldn't they just didn't want to be embarrassed today that was really what it felt like that there was a a moment where they looked at each other on the on the sidelines or something and they were just like we we cannot this this is not a good football team we're, we're playing against not that they needed to not take them seriously because clearly they did but i think they had to realize like if we don't get our act together, we can. We might as well get our golf clubs out because the season will be over, and we need to play this like it's a playoff game. We need to play. We needed urgency, and that's what we finally saw today. They haven't had urgency for like a month, and they mm. finally had a little bit of urgency, a little bit of fire in their bellies, a little bit of the eye of the tiger, and uh, <laughs> they they finally got some some you know their act together. Did, was it pretty? It wasn't wasn't pretty, but it, it, at times it felt mean, and at times it felt like they gave a crap about what was yeah. happening to them. And I think that that's an important change in their attitude. Yeah, and you you had mentioned being at home too. When when the comeback started, you know, you know, when we really started getting rolling, it felt like an old-fashioned Eagles game. It felt like all right, they're really charging up the crowd. The crowd is into it. You know, they're feeding off the crowd. Uh, I think it it was uh, late in the game 
And the commentators even pointed out that it's like, oh, you know, the crowd's really getting up for this like three and six or something. And it it was true. It was true. There was a lot of energy there. The team seemed to be feeling, uh, you know, feeding off of it. And they just somehow, you know, flipped that switch they hadn't been able to against the Cowboys and and against the Saints either. Um, you know, they, they really did seem to, you know, play like an efficient football team. And I don't know if that's just the opponent or what, but they there really was a a hell of a turnaround this uh in this game. I don't know if I've articulated on the on the show or or maybe it's just been this feeling that I've had. I've never experienced following a Super Bowl winning football team. I, there have been times where I, I didn't know how to act. Am I <laughs> supposed to be arrogant? Am I supposed to be cocky? Am I supposed to be confident? There was nothing really about this football team basically from game one that gave you any indication that you should be cocky or arrogant about this team. This team always was going to have to fight. It had, a, it had to do a lot of fighting last year, too. And I think maybe I, I just had this attitude of, well, at, at, at some point, the Super Bowl team's going to show back up. All, all that magic is just going to fall from the sky, and they were going to... I really did, for probably the, the, the two hours leading up to that New Orleans game, I, I could kind of hear myself narrating this, this storyline of, what if we go out and get a turnover right away, we go up seven or ten points... And then, you know, and then we it, we're right back. Then, you know, it, it's all there. We, But the reality is that this is not that football team for a lot of reasons. Uh, you can say it's the injuries. You can say it's the play calling. You can say it's the defense. There have been changes. The The frustrating thing, I guess, as a fan has been it, it felt like we weren't getting – quite their best we weren't getting 100 percent effort it really didn't feel like we were getting 100 percent effort in parts of that dallas game and that's that's a really frustrating thing to watch and i feel like it's it's also a frustrating thing for doug for the team mm. I, I don't know if it's the i don't think that it's a lack of willingness so much as i i really i have no no answer for what what this is but finally in this game whether it's too little too late it did feel like once they flipped that switch, and like I said, it wasn't pretty, but it, it felt like we were getting the best effort from this team. It felt like Malcolm Jenkins had kind of taken over as a as a leader again. He's trying to lead guys that two weeks ago we had never heard of. Yeah. Probably coaches on the team had never heard of these guys. So... You know, you can sense his frustration where he's trying to will these these players, these defenders, to a level of play that maybe they don't have these gears in their system. But he's at least trying to to to, to pump them up to to maybe make a play somewhere or, or give one hundred and ten percent and play a little over their heads because that's what they've got to do right now. Even against a team like the Giants, they've got to play over their heads. It helps that a team like the Giants. The reason a team like the Giants is a bad football team has as much to do with the talent on the field because they have some really good offensive players as it does with their organization and, and the way that they, they approach the game, the way they play. The fact that after the game, we heard the Giants coach say that they were they were spelling 
uh, Saquon Barkley in the second quarter. What are they saving him for? What is what is his pitch count for? Are, are they waiting for a—I mean, did they really come into this game thinking that this was their chance to make the playoffs? Because if they did, they needed to play like it was a Game 7. They needed to play it like a playoff game. It really was. If the Giants had any hope whatsoever as a football team, they had to come in here and lay everything out on the field. It's the same thing with, that we did. We had mm-hmm. to come in and approach this like a playoff game, like Game 7, you know? And it's it's good for Doug that he did play that way. And it's definitely a detriment to the Giants organization that I feel like they didn't. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really great point, Gene, because it, we we think about how bad the Giants are and and you know, we know that the Eagles are struggling, but they're they're just one win apart, right? You know, we we had four wins, they had three. Yeah, that we were literally a game apart. We yeah, would have been and, even had, had had it gone another way. And and the entire NFC East is, you know, just spread apart by one game. Nobody's killing it. No. Yeah. So it's they they were in a very similar position to the Eagles. You know, if they won this game, you know, they'll they have division games left coming up. You know, they could control their own destiny. Yeah, it's unlikely. It's less likely than it is for the Eagles, but it's not unheard of. They, if they won this game, you know, they're all of a sudden tied with the Eagles, and nobody thinks the Eagles are the worst team in the league. Nine, nine wins could conceivably win this division. And if you already have, you know, if they go on a run here, conceivably they could have gotten to nine wins. It's, it's yeah. going to be really hard now with a fifth loss. Yeah. Oh, I I think this this was the the end of any playoff hopes they had, but it might be the beginning for the Eagles because you know I, I put in our outline that we control our own destiny a little bit because um, we have the next two games, Redskins and Cowboys, and we win those two at the very least, we're tied for the top of the division. The thing that's interesting about this season, and maybe it's a mental approach, and I don't know if it's the same mental approach that kind of infected the team, but when you feel like you're the champs and you feel like you're running from the lead position, you know, I think we were already we were looking behind us before we ever got in front. Uh, you know, if you think about a race, uh, maybe like a sprinter or something, if a guy's looking behind him when the when the pack has already passed him, you know, he's not really focusing on what the task ahead is. And I feel like maybe that's some of the things that the, this team maybe ran into is that they were already, it's not so much a, a an arrogance so much as they, they had the weight of this expectation. I, I know that I had this feeling of at any point they can just put people away yeah. and they just needed to do it. And maybe that's not reality. Maybe this is a team that needs to dig deep and fight and scrap to win maybe they aren't the rams and they're not the saints they aren't in that top tier of the of the nfc it doesn't mean that this can't be a successful season it doesn't mean that i can't care about making the playoffs you know it's a lot it's easy to to get on talk radio and have people say well you know it's who's gonna whoever wins this division is just gonna go out in wild card weekend i hate to break it to you i've seen enough football to know that if you get into the dance there is a good chance that anybody can pull an upset you get all kinds of weird weather. You get all kinds of weird phenomenon, weird bounces. If you get there, and especially if the Eagles were a team that was to get there, you're going to catch a team that's hot because they're going to have to get real hot to get there. You know, they, they've got maybe one more loss on the schedule to to do this. They can yeah. lose that Rams game, but they I feel like they got to win the rest. And it's, yeah, it's I, go time. 
yeah, I completely agree with you on what the record has to be going forward. And that Rams game, I'm already marking it down as a loss. I, but everything else is winnable. Two, two against the Redskins, you know, without Alex Smith. And we haven't got to talk about that injury yet. That was gruesome. Um, or, or did we talk about it that last show? I can't remember. We but, may have touched um, on it, but I think we've certainly had more time to digest it and see what they've got going on since then. Yeah. And, I mean, that they are a much different team. And, you know, those two games against the Redskins are very winnable. The Cowboys, you know, they might be better than us, but they're not very good. And then, um, was it Texans? That's it. And the Texans game games... is at home. So, you know, if there was some way we could pull off something against the Rams, you know, that makes the road easier. I, I feel like we it's one of those things where the realist in me has seen that Rams put up 50 points on, on people. I know that that's an offense that's going to be able to score. I'd love to be say that we're going to be able to go out there and we're going to be, but the defense is going to have to find another gear to do that. So the the fact that that Texans game because the Texans are a much better football team probably than people give them credit for they 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 started out zero and three but then have, have been really good since, um, but thank God that game's at home because I feel like that could be the thing that could possibly especially if we can rattle off a couple wins, um, you know we're going to need that game, mm-hmm. and I'm really hoping that that game at the end of the season against the Redskins is for the division I would love that, yeah that that'd be awesome and. <sighs> It's not out of the realm of possibility. And you, you talk about the defense needing to find another gear. I feel like at least this week we found third gear, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how I remember watching so many games last year. The, the Eagles made their money on third downs on both sides of the ball. And I feel like that's finally what they were doing in the second half uh, of this game was they were making their money on third downs. They were picking them up on offense, and they were stopping them on defense. And if they can, when the Eagles do that, when they get momentum on offense by picking up a couple third downs, and they picked up a couple decent third downs, a couple, I think they had like a third and seven, uh, a third and nine. Um, and then on, on defense, they were making those stops. We've seen so many times this year getting into a third and fourth quarter where teams are either coming back on us or in a lead and we can't get off the field and i feel like finally today we managed to get off the field and get the offense back on the field because that's when we can really when doug can can go into that mode he went into today where he can start calling run plays in the fourth quarter and bear down and chew clock doug when when he is in that position he's as good as anybody at being able to kill off a clock i feel like he has not been in the a lot of people are busting him on on that this year he hasn't really been in enough positions you know certainly not against the the saints i don't know he wasn't really there against the cowboys i think josh adams is a real player um he looks like he ran hard all day long and i feel like he's got to be the feature back the rest of the way no more of this Let's see who's hot kind of thing. Just give that guy the ball and let him run because he seems like he runs hard, runs mean, picks up a lot. You know, he was had like a seven-yard seven, seven yard average through most of the first quarter, and he had a really great run that was called back early in the game for a holding oh, penalty. Yeah. Too many holding penalties. Um, so, you know, that that was my, that's my kind of my take on this game. I love to take a lot of a positive about it. You know, it's easy to say that, it's the Giants. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta beat the Giants. You gotta kick a dog when it's down. But 
it was so important for us to have any hope for the rest of the season. And uh, we went out and we, we, it wasn't pretty, but we did the job we had to do to keep going. Yeah. And um, I, I also think the, the way we came back, you know, we, we coughed up, you know, we, we spotted them, what, 17 points? Uh, oh, something like that because they missed an extra point or something so it was a weird oh, yeah. it was a weird number i think it was like i think we were down 16 yeah the, i think you're right they went for that you know with a penalty and they had this short you know like the ball on the one or the two or something go for two and then don't run it even though they ran all over us to get there right they didn't run it so uh, thank you uh giants coaching staff for that one but you know there there's something to say a win is a win you know, and it's it you know counts towards our record. We're you know moving forward, and you know something you said there, Gene, uh, about Adams. You know, maybe it is just the time of year to to stop screwing around to go. You know, all right, this is our guy. Why is he our guy? Because he does well enough, and we don't have we don't have any other games to figure it out. We have to win this game. Right. We needed a guy who very much like LeGarrette Blunt last year, who when you give him the ball, when he when he hits makes con when when the defense makes contact, he's he's still pushing that that pack forward. He's still falling forward. He's a very downhill straight ahead runner. And I feel like that's you know, we gotta put ourselves in these third and manageable situations. You know, mm-hmm. third and eleven, third and twelve that nobody is gonna have a high percentage against uh, on that, you know, against a professional NFL defense. Yeah, and in those situations, you have to you have to pass. Your so I mean, really limits your running options. Did we only have one fourth and Doug today? Yeah, but it was huge. Yeah, it was. It certainly was. I think it was a fourth and three. I I thought fourth and two, but yeah, something like that. Fourth and short, and huge conversion. Yeah, huge I mean, because it was too far. You, I mean, even with Josh, even with Jake Elliott's leg, you you couldn't you couldn't kick that field goal there. But you don't pick that up, and you've got to give them the ball back. You know, there was a lot of time, plenty, enough time for Eli to get something done there. And when your, uh, when your secondary is as, as, you know, slapped together as ours is, you know, I'm not thrilled with the idea of of, of a bunch of guys running, uh, running streaks on us. So, yeah. yeah. So, all right, Gene, any thoughts on the Eagles we didn't touch on yet before we do our very nice segue prepared ahead of time from ba- uh, from football into basketball. Well, no, I, I think uh, actually let's 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 talk about that because that would be the only other thing, and I mean that's more of a, a, a throwback to Thanksgiving, actually. Well, it's a throwback to Thanksgiving and today. There was a second one. Okay, I don't know that I picked up on the second one. Okay, well, so on Thanksgiving, um, the uh, Cowboys mocked. I guess. I mean, it has to be considered mocking. It's right? a weird situation because Markel Fultz is kind of a no well-known notorious cowboys fan yeah and and uh, mark uh, for those who don't know um um uh amari cooper uh of the the cowboys mimicked uh Fultz's free i always have a problem with the word the phrase free throw yeah. uh his uh free throw form or technique or lack thereof for a a touchdown celebration and then Fultz was like on Snapchat or something like like eating it up with a spoon like loving it 
And that was just the weirdest damn thing. It really felt like mockery. The thing that's hilarious is Amari Cooper's been a Dallas Cowboy for all of five minutes. It's not like this is <laughs> it's not like this is some longtime cowboy that is, you know, taking a shot at Philly. Like he literally just got there three weeks ago. Um he's been playing great for them. Like no no knock on on what he's been doing. And and he, he had a great game against us. He had a really great game on Thanksgiving. But um, you know, I would have liked to see Markel come out and I mean, it was driving me crazy the fact that he wore a Cowboys hat to begin with. But I would yeah. like to see either don't say anything, you know, I mean, don't acknowledge it, don't feed the troll, but certainly don't, you know, seem like you're cool with them making fun of you. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really bad at the line right now. Like, yep, my my game's a, a big struggle. You know, that's that's not funny. Like, you know, go. You, you can take the high ground of like, ah, good one, man. You know the 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 kind of semi passive aggressive. All right, I guess that was funny sort of thing, but I, I you can't actually go. Oh, you really got me. This is jeopardizing my career. You that was really funny. He's. I mean, we're not even talking about guys that are in your sport. Like that's the other thing. It's not like. It, but I mean, what if Jimmy Butler had done that? You know, what I mean, what if Jimmy Butler had gone to a line in the game, or what if a guy on 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 Brooklyn tonight had gone to the line and and mimicked mimicked his free throw form? That's a whole different thing, right? Then that becomes like real, like you know, oh yeah, gamesmanship or whatever. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's throwing down a gauntlet, goofing around in a, in an end zone. It's it's crazy to me that a guy like Amari Cooper is making fun of something. You know, what I mean, like it feels a little inside. <laughs> you know basketball or whatever like that's a pretty specific thing to make fun of it's like some you know i mean how many people in dallas are really paying attention to markel fultz uh free yeah. throw form uh so i mean that was really kind of you know you're you're taking a shot either directly at that guy or you know is mar is amari cooper taking a shot at the eagles you know it i, I don't know yeah um, I, I still don't know how to interpret it. i i think i think it's a shot at Fultz and then maybe Philly because they just beat up on us. Now, the other one, the one that uh, you did not see, Gene, is definitely a tribute to the Sixers. So uh, Tyler Lockett of the uh, Seahawks scores a touchdown and then like does a shout out to Allen Iverson with a step over of a, one of his teammates like akin to Tyrone Liu uh, of 2001. Oh, that's that's a great celebration. Yeah, and I, I I don't know the guy. Let me let's look him up. See if he's a a Philly kid. Although Iverson was popular everywhere. Yeah, Iverson but, kind of transcended just the the region. Yeah, but that that was awesome, and it was just so odd to have like two in the span of you know a couple days. So I don't know. The Sixers are on people's minds, and they're on our mind here. Um, and it's been a interesting week. Gene, do you want to start with the basketball or the TMZ stuff first? Why don't we touch a little bit on the basketball? Because I think maybe it'll be more interesting to get into some of the TMZ kind of <laughs> the drama. Um, this has been a, a pretty good week for the for the Sixers, and this is one of those situations we had said um, going into this week. They had four games that were very winnable games, and they went three and one in them. Um, sometimes they cut in them a little more close than you you probably wanted. But uh, in the end, the result was was what you were hoping to see. The, the simple of, of the three wins, they were all close. And I oh mean, yeah, they were all close. Like it could have gone either way. I mean, it was 
really exciting. They're an exciting, fun team, but maybe be less exciting. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people that if following Sixers Twitter, a lot of people were kind of hoping that there was a place somewhere in this little four gram stretch where maybe you, you blow somebody out. You know, really kind of make us have a statement win, and I, I don't know. It's just not this team right now. You know. Um, they have a tendency in some cases to kind of play down a little bit to their competition, but by the same token, they, they have a tendency to play up to competition. Uh, they're really good at home. They just took their first loss at home on Friday night um, in a game against Cleveland, which I kind of thought if there was a game in that four-game stretch, it might be it might be that game against Cleveland that they might they might lose. Um, the the nice thing about the way that the, the, the they've gotten through kind of the hardest one of the harder parts of their schedule. They're, they're going to have a lot less back-to-backs coming up through the next couple weeks. Uh, they have a lot more games played than most teams in the league, and they came out of... They started the season coming off of that China trip. So I feel like um, you're going to start to see them play with a little more energy. Not that they play without energy. Um, but the other thing they're starting to figure out is rotations. Um, mm-hmm. They're finally starting to kind of understand... And this kind of ties into the Markel Fultz thing. They they start to make decisions. Some of the I guess probably coming back from last week, last Friday night, uh, they had a game against the Suns, and uh, Fultz just was not having a good first half, and it was benched in the second half in favor of T.J. McConnell, and that kind of is what cat was the catalyst for all of this kind of drama, kind of spiraling out of out of control over in Sixers land, uh, yeah. because uh, by the next day it was kind of stated by his people that uh, Markel's not going to play again for the Sixers uh, until he, after he's been evaluated by a shoulder specialist that his team's going to, you know, his agent and his lawyer are the same guy. So that that's kind of where this is coming from. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what has, has kind of started this, this drama and it's kind of escalated as it's gone through the week to the point where I think where we're at now, uh, most of the people that, that follow and write about the Sixers or are in the know have kind of said, He's not in the long-term plans of the Philadelphia 76ers anymore. When they were doing the Jimmy Butler trade, uh, backing up over the summer when they were, were looking to get uh, Kawhi Leonard, Markel Fultz was not a, a piece that they were willing to, to put into any, any deals. He just wasn't something they were willing to part with. Um, when it got to the Jimmy Butler stuff, he was certainly in the negotiations. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of telling that he wasn't traded there because um, you would think that if he was— he, he's, would think a guy who was a number one draft pick who's only in his second year with a high ceiling, you would think that that would be something very appealing to Minnesota, but they decided they would rather have kind of their known commodities in uh, uh, in Covington and Dario Saric. So that's, I think that's interesting that they say that he was offered to Minnesota or was in the, in the discussion, didn't end up getting shipped out of town. And now they're kind of saying, look, the kid's just not in our long-term plans. We, we're we in kind of a win-now mode. We're, we're right here in the East. There isn't really anybody with especially with Boston kind of coming out slow out of the gate. Uh, and pretty much, you know, you, you talk to anybody that, that follows the NBA, Joel Embiid, if he's not the favorite for the MVP coming out of the gate early, he's in the top three. So when you've got the MVP of the league, possibly, most nights you're going to have the best player on the court. And right now I feel like there are nights that they've got the three best players on the court. So... The Sixers just don't have time to deal with a lot of crap, and the knock on Markel Fultz coming out of the uh, out of the draft was that he was kind of an immature player, not necessarily physically immature, that he could physically do the things that you need to, and not in the sense that he liked to party or was a wild kid, but 
more like that he he was just kind of like an overgrown kind of 12 year old you know what i mean <laughs> kind of like like to play with play video games and i like to play play video games too uh and and, and nobody has ever really questioned the kid the, the guy's work ethic but um i feel like maybe there's some something to be said for like th- this this mental issue that he he's got and i'll be really interested to see if there's any anything that comes out of this these physical examinations if they say that this old shoulder injury is really serious but i don't know i'm just not buying it you know yeah it, and it's was very it was very weird you know that you know he he appears to get a little like pep talk from ai like they're hugging it out on the on the court and then the next day like his lawyer te- is telling us that he's going to get his shoulder examined by a specialist like almost a week later. This was this news came out what, like Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, I think it actually kind of started. To, you started to see your stuff over the weekend. But, yeah, like certainly by Monday or Tuesday, it was. Yeah, it was pretty well known. And he was going to like see the specialist the following Monday. And uh, Elton Brand was just like, um, you know, you can probably see a guy sooner. Yeah, you I know? thought that was pretty great. I thought that was pretty great because I feel like right now the front office is kind of like, cool. Like, you know, if this is how you want to do it, like whatever, like we're not, we're not going to play hardball with you. Like if you, you don't want to play fine, you know, we got, we got basketball games to win, you know, because there, you can't really fault Brett Brown. He started the kid right out of the, right out of the gate. And and if he had really taken the bull by the horns coming out in, in the early part of the season, maybe we don't go and make a move for Jimmy Butler. But, yeah. you know, I'm not unhappy about it. I think Jimmy Butler works really well on this team, and it's so important for us to have that guy. We Jimmy Butler has probably won us two games by himself right now. You know, we're we're two wins better already for having this guy. So imagine how that's going to translate over the course of a season. He, he is a guy that you can trust. You can give him the ball. He wants the ball at the end of a game, and he's going to hit those shots more often than not. And what we really needed was a guy who had that sort of instinct, a guy that wanted that ball in that spot. Joel Embiid is kind of that guy, but the problem is Joel Embiid is a seven-foot center. And there's a reason why seven-foot centers are not really closers. You know, we've seen Joel try to put the team on his back in those sorts of situations. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that. He's got a great handle for a big guy. He doesn't have closer kind of handle. You need a guy like Jimmy Butler who can you know, take the ball, make the shot, win the game. Yeah, and I mean Jimmy Butler, I, he has had two game-winning, like buzzer beater or practically buzzer beater shots. You know, so I don't know if those are the two wins you're referring to, but yeah, he, he's been very good. And faults this city and this organization has been really patient with him. You know. There's yeah, there's some grumblings and you know on basketball Twitter and you know maybe probably on WIP too, but it, you know the crowd hasn't been giving faults a hard time. You know they've been supportive. You know so I think that's going to change if he ever if he ever you know plays for the Sixers again. I think he's going to be hearing it. Yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be, hey, let's all root for the kid as he tries to find his game. I think it's going to be, who the hell do you think you are? And you're getting booed. It's the exact opposite situation that you had with Jaleel Okafor. When Okafor started running into this sort of vibe that he was not going to be the guy, that he wasn't going to be in the long-term plan, he could not have been a bigger professional. 
Um, it was clear for a year that Jaleel was being shopped. Uh, they were they were finding minutes just to kind of showcase that he was still a functioning human. You know, what I mean, functioning basketball player. Um, but and he was a. I don't think he had the ceiling at maybe ever that Markel Fultz had. Markel Fultz has had blips where you can see what this kid can do. He had a triple double in about eighteen minutes against Milwaukee last season. Uh, so he can put up stats. He can you know, take control of a basketball game. The problem is we don't have the, the the minutes for him to figure it out right now. If he can come in and kind of accept a 12-minute, a 16-minute role uh, as coming off the bench right now and, and make the best use of those minutes, that would be great. That's what we have. We don't have time right now to, to, to coddle him, make him a starter, and put him out there at the, the the expense of these other players, what are we going to bench JJ? What are we, you know, it's, it, we're just not going to do that. JJ is sometimes the second best scorer on the team. You know, he's averaging yeah. more than eighteen points right now. We're not we're not going to bench him in favor of this kid whose ego we need to stroke. Um, so I, I think that that's maybe the team's frustration is like, look, you know, we're winning games, we're going to do what we need to do, and if you don't, you know, we tried, but. You know, if you don't accept you, you know that this is the role. We're a professional basketball team. We're not. We're not in the business of of, of being able to take care of your feelings. I, I just feel like he he way over overreacted. If this is actually coming from him, I don't know. Maybe it's his team, his people around him that are like, you know, he's a number one draft pick, and his, they can kind of feel his stock going down. Um, which is why I think he made the statement. I want to go someplace else and, and start fresh. Start fresh. What, what? How much more fresh do you need? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, this was reminding me of like the last year of To, which I guess is was the second year of To, and the the last days of Eric Lindros, and even the To situation where it was one season before he became a problem. Um, he accomplished more than faults. He was a huge. He, he was a huge asset here. He was a huge star here. Um, I forget the name is Agent Drew Rosenhaus, was it? I think he was a Rosenhaus guy, yeah. Yeah, and I always th- said Rosenhaus played that situation 100% wrong. Like, tried to strong-arm Andy Reid and get more money and then went public with it. Like, no, dude, T.O. was so incredibly popular. He should have been on every Phillies product. T.O. should have been selling us Wawa and... Briar's ice cream and like Rita's water ice and everything. He he could be a legend in this city. He could have been a legend in the city and blew it. But you know, and, and I mean to to your point, you you brought up Lindros and To. Both of those guys, their end result of their careers have been they've ended up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know what I mean? These are both guys that were not just good; they were great. And To was great that year. And and we you know we remember uh, how good that. That 06, 05, 06 team was, and he came came back and played on that broken leg uh, in the Super Bowl. And um, you know, if not for all of the drama the next year, maybe maybe they would have gone right back. You know, that team should have been had a much longer window, a much a much yeah. bigger window. It itself it, it imploded. The same thing with the Flyers. They're, it's it's insane to me that during those Lindros years, as good as those teams were, that they only went to that one cup. I feel like they they really deserved a better run at it. And certainly, uh, a, a four game sweep against Detroit does not 
indicate how how good of a hockey team I feel like that was. And and Markel Fultz, at, right now, you are not T.O., you are not Eric Lindros, you are not a Hall, of, a Hall of Famer. You don't get to pull this diva crap right now. Yeah. It, I mean, if he's anybody, he's Alexander Degg. I mean, like, it, it, that's... And maybe he turns it around. And I, I don't, I'm not wishing the kid ill, but it's just, it's a... It's a ballsy move to be this entitled this early into your career when you've shown nothing. When you show when you show nothing, and you have no strength. Maybe maybe that's the move. He knows that the Sixers literally do not need him, and he's got to try something. And if there's one thing the Sixers have kind of illustrated throughout the process is that to a certain degree they are willing to cut bait on. Uh, a high draft pick player if they feel like they are not part of the plan. Noel, uh, Nerlens Noel, uh, yeah. Jaleel Okafor, uh, you know, Evan Turner. Th- there are, there's, there's, there's guys in the past that, you know, unlike other organizations that kind of try to pound that square peg into a round hole, the Sixers, to their credit, have kind of said, no, we, we have to stick to, well, you know, and thank God they were patient and they hit on, on the two they really needed to hit on. They hit on Jaleel, or they hit on um, uh, Joel, Joel Embiid, and they hit on Ben Simmons. So, you know, th- they are the foundational players. They are generational players. They are going to be the f- personality and the face of this team. And you either get on board with that, or or you're going to end up not playing for this team. And and Markel Fultz could end up wallowing uh, under contract. The Sixers have no are under no obligation to move him unless yeah. they can get some asset back. Yeah. I, I... You know, I, I hadn't really considered that possibility, but I imagine, you know, just to be done with it, they'll, you know, they'll kick him somewhere for whatever sort of return. And I, I just wouldn't, know, I just really would, would, wouldn't bother kicking him, you know, kicking him somewhere for, for a second round pick. I, I would sit on it until, you know, maybe somebody's willing to at least give you, they need a couple of other rotational players. They're, they could at least get a serviceable. NBA player that can come and help this team right now, uh, a role-playing guy, a shooter, something. Uh, I hope that they don't just end up taking a, a second-round pick just to wash their hands of it. I, I feel like that that's, that's not the M.O. of this team. That's not, that's not what I think is going to happen. Uh, I feel like they, they're, they're good at being patient, and maybe you find a squad that's in a real, real true uh, rebuild that wants to take a shot that the kid can be a piece that they can build with. Yeah, and, and my last thought on, on this was what you mentioned just there is what had occurred to me a few times in this conversation. You know, if Fultz came around earlier in the process, it would have been a much better fit for him, not just because of his own celebrity, but, hey, we're not trying to win games. Go out there and work on your game. You know, go out and be our superstar. You know, take the time, you know, work out the hiccups, and maybe by the time you find your game, we'll have a few other all-stars to help you out yeah so we spent a lot of time talking about the sixers process there um a lot of people have made reference to the flyers and whether they should have trusted the process or not and it's 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 bleak times and flyered on man so i hope not to 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 bury the, the cut to the chaser on this one but uh the the game i've watched i spent the most time with over the last couple couple weeks with the flyers sadly was the game last night Ooh. um so what are your what are your thoughts on on who what is this team who is this team and how does last night happen how do you how do you just get 
run off the ice? I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Now, uh, it's it's a really tired refrain in this city, but a lot of it comes down to the goaltender. Yet another goalie injury, lying out, Stolar's up. We play Pickard back-to-back games. You know, we were lucky enough. And clearly that guy is not built for back-to-backs. He's not built for the NHL. You know, maybe maybe as a true backup of a workhorse starter, Pickard would be acceptable. Yeah, I, I, I'd be willing to say he'd be an acceptable backup for a guy who's going to start 65 to 70 games. You know what I mean? Like, but d- does he seem like he's even a guy that would have the personality to be like a true, like even an AHL starter? To me, he just doesn't seem like he's got like kind of that starters... Uh, I don't know what to call it. Other mentality. He he just doesn't feel like a start. He he feels way too inconsistent. Even like within from period to period, no, you know, yeah. he'll seem like he's he's gonna have a real strong period, and and then and then he'll come out and he'll make some really boneheaded decisions. He'll he'll be out of position. He's he's really one of the. You know, you watch a lot of goalies when you follow the Flyers, um, <laughs> and you kind of kind of get an idea of what the average. NHL goaltender looks like and and this guy just to me just does not feel like he even gets to like that average place no he doesn't like and you you put your a finger on something I thought of before like oh he's an AHL goaltender he's an AHL goaltender but not for long he's you know they're gonna want either a you know more consistent guy in net or the up-and-coming guy or, or maybe he would be more consistent in the AHL, but not at the NHL level. I don't trust Pickard a little. You know, I he he has a couple good games here or there, but he lets in some bad goals. He, he is the goalie people thought Steve Mason was, where they would always go, Steve Mason, oh, he lets in these awful goals. And yeah, once in a blue moon, he'd let in a really, truly horrible one. Other times it's like, oh, would have been nice if he could have stopped that one. Pickard's just sort of like, I have no idea how that went in. Why didn't you move from that post? Like, what what is happening? And but the effort on Saturday after the 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 commanding win on Friday, their best win in since that West Coast trip. Yeah, like I don't get how you can you can do that. I don't get how. You, you know, and Toronto's a watched... talented roster. Like I'll give you that. Toronto's got well, really is. good players, but they they it, it honestly looked like, and I think I said this to you, it looked like mites on ice. It, it <laughs> you know you needed to have some sort of strategy of just just swarm the puck carrier. It 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 looked like they had no idea. Some of those goals were just. Do you have any idea how the game of hockey is played? It was it was total disorganization. It was pathetic that that and that it just looked like it looked like a team that had quit on their coach that like and that's what I thought before the West Coast trip. And I'm like, you know, if they've quit on Hackstall, it's time for Hackstall to go. But they they put in that great West Coast trip and had some all right games after that. But the Sabres game, it looked like they weren't watching the standings. It looks like. They they thought they were playing the Sabers for like the last seven years when they stunk, and then they went up and it's like, oh no no, the Sabers are good now, right? And they they got their ass kicked by the Sabers. All right, you know, 
come home. Good game against the Rangers, who aren't supposed to be good. The no. Rangers have been playing well, but they've been playing over their heads. Right. You know, so maybe they just, you know, beat up on a, a bad team with a good record. And that that Toronto loss, that was it was it was worse than the Saints loss for the Eagles. You know, at least the the Eagles felt like Actually, no. I think it was really comparable. I was going like, to say, it, it feels to me like they were pretty equivalent. Yeah. If, if only because the Eagles, because there are so few games, you, you, you automatically attach more weight. But in terms of a team that you root for, a team that you are passionate about, a team that you love, going someplace else, you know, because they're both road games, going into another building and just getting the doors blown off. Yeah. It's, it's agonizing to watch. It is demoralizing to watch. Yeah, and it, this there was no coming back. It was four nothing. That ended up final score at six nothing, six six one. Did we get it, one? I forget. It, it looked like they were on pace to, to beat us like twelve nothing. It really did. It really did. It it seemed like, you know, I, I'm not certain if Toronto took their their foot off the gas, but it felt it, if they could just score on us at will, and something has to be done. I am I am dumbfounded that something didn't happen today. Now uh, let me take a look at the schedule. We have a game on Tuesday, and then there's a a gap coming up. And you know, normally when you have those gaps in schedules, that's when people like to make changes. Uh, today would have been a fine day to to make the change. I have no idea. Well, and it also kind of you know you would have done it with a little bit of you know you've got an Eagles game you know yeah. around you know maybe you, you kind of sneak it in under the I don't know I feel like Flyers fans are just itching you know they they everybody's got their finger on the trigger. Let me ask you one thing before you get into the schedule: Is there anything that you can say about to me following the NHL as a whole a little closer than I have in a while this season? The one thing I can say is from preseason to now, I feel like a lot of the things that I thought were givens or truths about the league seem to be kind of upended. Um, I guess I'm kind of surprised that everybody was kind of predicting that the Metropolitan was going to be tight. Are, are you surprised as it's, it's as tight as it is? Um, is? Is there anything else that... It seems like the Western Conference is weaker than I expected. Um, you know, usually you feel like there's a couple of teams that are real, real strong out West. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I... I wouldn't know who those teams are right now. Uh, maybe it's the Avalanche. They seem like they have a really good roster. Um, but uh, so, what are what do you think are the the truths of the NHL right now? What do you think are going to you know we're a bit close to two months in, a month in. What do you think, having watched the league as as close as you have, is there anything you can take away that's like, yep, this is true for the league for this year? Uh, those are really good questions. Um, for the Metropolitan, I was expecting it to be tight. I was expecting the uh, New York teams to be worse than they are. Uh, the Islanders and the Rangers to just not be very good at all. And they, they've played very well. Um, and then it's a really mediocre division. You know, even with the the capitals uh the penguins are are not looking very good at all i mean maybe that is sort of the story of like the changing of the guard although there are still some you know well-established teams doing well um 
But you have a team like Buffalo coming up, finally getting over the hump. People calling for Buffalo to to make that change and, and become a competitive team. And they finally are. And you have Columbus leading the Metro and looking like the only team really worth a damn in the Metro. The the Leafs, everyone predicted to be good, but not this good, and especially not with uh, Matthews out. So the scoring is up uh, again this year. Uh, speed kills. It is a fast, fast game. And it's... You know, looking at the Flyers compared to the rest of the league, there's so many pieces I like on paper, but when you watch them play, they're not a dominant team. You know, we got JVR back, and, you know, if there's a player I disproportionately hate, (laughs) it is JVR. And I don't hate him. It's just he gets under my skin because with his skill set, he should be better. If with his skill set, if he played the game, with the tenacity of Wayne Simmons, or if Wayne Simmons had JVR's skill set, oh, forget about it. Yeah, he'd be the best winger on the league. He best winger on the team. A great, you know, perennial All Star winger. But we bring in JVR. Um, we we bring up the kids, and the kids have looked good. You know, yeah. the kids have looked good. You know, maybe not Patrick struggling a bit, but. Comparing the Flyers to the rest of the league, they, they're just not there. They're just uh, a step behind most nights. Other nights, they look great. Other nights, they really do look like they could, could play with anybody. But I'll tell you, the, the thing that's most frustrating to me, and I know this is something that you've you've voiced uh, a couple of times, but it, it, it seems to me that it should be absolutely their sole focus right now. Their special teams dreadfully inconsistent yeah they're dreadfully inconsistent a power play you know used to mean like an advantage and it doesn't feel like they get an advantage on a power play and this for all for for the way the roster is constructed this should be a very good to to like top 10 power play unit uh yeah their penalty kill we knew was going to be bad i never thought it was going to be this bad it's almost like i I don't know what they've got to be close to the the bottom near the bottom of the league if not the bottom yeah i i haven't checked recently but they've been the bottom they've been bottom four bottom three bottom four the whole time i just don't understand how you can keep seeing this and not make a change and you know it makes me wonder about the roster maybe i'm wrong you know although claude Giroux. It has looked great again. He's he's playing like his should have been MVP season last year. You know, Voracek, you know, he, he puts up sneaky good numbers. You know, people think But Voracek, is he a Bobby Abreu type? Is it you know, is it all garbage t- stuff? You know, is he is he is he not scoring in, in, in places where we actually need the points? Is he is he getting points when we're already up two goals or when we're down three? Well, he's getting assists. That's the thing about Voracek. We always want to think of him as a goal scorer, but he gets the majority of his points through assists. And and he doesn't have that Giroux like playmaking quality. You know, you like Giroux's assists might as well be goals. Right. You know, like sometimes he just b- banks them in off other people's sticks. 
Voracek's assists are he carried the puck into the zone, <laughs> you know, right. or or he was the middle person in, you know, uh, a tic-tac-toe goal. Um, those are valuable, but they don't they don't seem it. So it, he feels those like are not the, the kind scorer. of numbers that make you a superstar. You know what I mean? No, they make you a valuable player, but not a superstar. And uh, Patrick has been up or down. It's his second year and the whole team's struggling. So I don't, I don't want to put it on him too much. I just don't know what to make of the team. And I'm, I'm beginning more and more to, to question Ron Hextall. Sorry, not beginning. I question Ron Hextall. <laughs> like, is there a move out there? Is there, is, you know, is there a position? Obviously we need a goaltender like that. Yeah outside of going out and getting a goaltender is there a person a guy a position we could bring in that improves the power play improves the you know it, it, or is it is it too much do we ever we, you know is it is it a reconstruction kind of thing i what i don't understand is is why that's not like you they should be practicing every day and doing 2 hours a day on figuring out special teams like it's ridiculous that this it, it just is staying consistently inconsistent yeah, it, it's. I don't know what player this team is screaming for. Um, for the defense, this is your your young defense. Anybody who you can go out and and bring in who would immediately make the defense better is going to cost too much and might interfere with the the overall development of our our blue chip prospects. Um, Offensive talent, we have it. We we are uh, a high-scoring team. We're in the upper half. I think we're hanging around 12th um, in scoring in the league, which is fine. Um, I think we could be doing more, hopefully, uh, when Raffle gets back, which will be sooner rather than later. Uh, he can really add to it. But our, our forwards have been fine. It's the team defense. It's holding on to the zone. Possession of the puck, it's... So I hate to put it all on the shoulders of Ivan Provorov, but he carried this team defensively for a while last season. And he, he's been a shadow of himself. Ghost has, Ghost has not been great, um, better than Provorov. And, you know, Mather's having growing pains the same year. But you know who I'd call? I'd call Steve Mason. He doesn't have a gig right now. And provided he's in shape and been playing. And I, I assume that he has been um, provided those things are, are true. I, I'd go, Hey Mace, it's, it's your job. You know, until Elliot comes back and is fully healthy, then you're in a tandem with Elliot. I know you don't like playing in tandems, but Hey, at least you're getting a paycheck. I, I, I just can't. It's amazing to me. You know, you see a guy like Martin Brodeur, you see a guy like Patrick Waugh, you know, you never heard of those guys getting hurt. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing that goaltenders, you just, I understand the concept of getting, you know, you're, you're having the puck fired at you, literally. Um, you got to do a lot of, like, stretching, you know, way more flexible than I'll ever be. But they just seem so snake bit with injured goalies right now. It 
I, I just don't see other teams in the league just this bad off with, with, with this position. You know, what are we doing? Or do we just have guys that are just not really getting healthy before they come back? Are we, are we, are we rushing people? Would it be better just to, to put a couple of them on the shelf for a month, really get back in shape before we throw them back between the pipes? You know, that's a really good question about the are we rushing them back? Because I, I had mentioned Steve Mason, and that was a bit of a, the criticism he had for the training, the trainers or the coaches that he was feeling like he was backing up when he wasn't healthy. You know, if you're not healthy enough to start and you're the starter, you probably shouldn't be the backup either. Um, and he got portrayed as a bit of a diva for that. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe they're going to go, hey, you know, Lion, I know you're not fully healthy yet, but, you know, just sit on the bench, you'll be a backup. All of a sudden, the guy gets shelled, and now Lion's in the game. That might be fair. I I tend to put it up to bad luck. I think that Hexy took a calculated gamble that we could have these five goaltenders, you know, well, these four coming off of injury goaltenders be healthy enough to get us to Lion, you know, next season. And it really has been terribly unlucky. Now, Neuvert, that anyone could have seen that coming. You don't require a crystal ball to see that he's going to be hurt. No, that guy that guy really actually feels like he's broken. Yeah, I, I feel for him, really. Elliot doesn't have a long history of injuries, but he's not been super healthy. He's never been the guy is just going to play all season. But, but Cal Pickard had made me really appreciate Brian Elliott as a professional goalie. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he does make Brian Elliott look like a professional goalie. Yeah, it's, uh, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. All right, well, while we're talking about the Flyers, let's call some penalties, shall we, Gene? Let's do it. Oh, I have no whistle sound effect. I didn't line it up, <laughs> and I don't, and I don't have any way to put it in post. We'll just have to, uh, we'll just have to exclaim "whistle, whistle, whistle" or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, see. <laughs> and you thought we didn't miss Dave. All right, Gene. Who is in your penalty box? In my penalty box this week uh, is Golden Tate. Okay. And uh, the reason why I put him in my penalty box is I'm still waiting for this dominant performance of this, this, this you know, new piece that we got in this trade. I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen, I saw some more plays kind of called for him. I, I'm just waiting for that moment to see this guy break out. And this is one of those penalties I want to call, you know, sometimes they say in hockey, there's a, there's such a thing as a good penalty. You know, sometimes you got to take a good penalty for the team. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that Golden Tate takes this penalty uh, <laughs> as a good thing. And I, I, I'm re I really want to see, the you know his skill set on display um i want to see the things that i know he can do i watched tons and tons of uh he he's been on my fantasy teams in the past i watched tons and tons of this guy uh just make defenders look silly honestly um so i would love to see that on display so golden tate got to give you a penalty because we're we're 2 weeks in 3 weeks in this is this was his third game and you know I, I want to see like that 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 five catch six catch hundred yard game touchdown game like I want to see a stat line. All right, Gene is putting Golden Tate in the box for two minutes uh, because his gold is tarnished. He should sit in the box and feel shame and come out a better player. Whistle, whistle. 
And in my penalty box this week uh, was is from the Eagles game today uh, on the broadcast team. Uh, it was Tom uh, Brenneman, uh, Chris Spillman, and uh, the sideline reporter of Shannon Spake, I think. And I, I don't really know her work, and I thought she was fine during the broadcast. But they were talking about the Philly crowd and, you know, the Philadelphia atmosphere and how great a place it is to play. You know, that's great. Works for me. You know, tell me these things. I love hearing them. And then she said, we have the wave going. These fans are absolutely great. Those two things do not belong in the same sentence. Absolutely not. We, they, and the game was close. The, the uh, Eagles were beginning to really get a little momentum in their comeback. And you're doing the wave? I mean, I, today's game was never not close. Like, there was never a point yeah. where it wasn't close. Yeah, no, the wave is great for when you are up by 20 in the third and it looks as if the other team is no shot wave wave to your heart's content Pre-season. and that was the great when it was 1992 like yeah. i feel like we have moved <laughs> past the wave as an expression of fandom in this country yeah well and it's it's a game it's a it's you know it's the the dvd player in the back of the minivan it's something to do when you're bored at the game you do the wave and you know what fine when you're blowing a team out do the wave. Getting blown out, do the wave. If you're at a game with, like, a minor league baseball game that, you know, most of these guys are never going to get out of double A, yeah, sure, fine, but not yeah. at a professional football game. Not at a professional football game, and it should have been an embarrassment. <laughs> I got Kim a little strong there, but it shouldn't be something to be proud of. It should not be something to be proud of, and uh, Shannon Spake, I'm sorry, but you're going in the box for misdiagnosing fan apathy as enthusiasm. Two minutes for misdiagnosis. Whistle, whistle. <laughs> and just and just one last on. thing on that. That's why those guys are the D squad. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why they're covering the Eagles-Giants game when both those teams are under 500. Like, there's a reason why those jokers are not calling Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, that, that's one of them. Spielman always uses too many words like like I I get what he's going at and sometimes he makes a a really decent point but it's just like he reiterates the same things he thinks the turn of phrase is clever and he just says it to death but but yes this was definitely uh (laughs) not not the a squad not the a squad well um, speaking of A squads and A teams, if you were a fan of Mr. T and you didn't check out our special Thanksgiving episode, uh, we put out a tribute to Rocky and Creed. It dropped on Thanksgiving Day. It features me, Gene, Dave, and from beyond the grave, Mickey, uh, along with our friend Nico, who coincidentally does a fantastic Mickey impersonation. It was a lot of fun to record. We hope that uh, you enjoy listening to it. Also, check out our sister show, The Whip Around. Normally, Dave has a pretty good plug as to what they're doing, but Gene and I aren't on the show, so we don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, so I have t- no idea what's check- coming up this week. <laughs> yep, neither do I. So check it out with us. Uh, that comes out on Wednesday. And hope you had a great holiday and enjoy your day at work. <laughs> <laughs>